welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast with your host, Janayat Iqbal. Today's guest is Kenneth Atkins. I have known him since the freshman year of high school and have been good friends with him ever since. This is the first of several episodes with Kenneth as he had had several jobs that he can talk about. Kenneth is one of the most well-read and intelligent people I know. You'll enjoy and get a lot of value out of this episode. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. And remember, this show isn't possible without you. Let's get the show started. We have Kenneth Atkins on the No Degree podcast. He's going to introduce himself. So, Kenneth, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. I work in technology, IT. I'm a systems administrator. been working in technology now for about 10 years. I've had a lot of different roles on the way up. It's been fun and interesting. In my current position, it's sort of a hybrid role. I'm a systems administrator, and I also oversee our help desk operations. And I also oversee our computer and network security operations as well. So my current role is a unique role. It's a bit of a dream role for me. It's been an opportunity to mix and match and marry all the different things I've wanted to do over the last 10 years and get them all in one role. And I'm looking forward to talking about it as we... Let's go back to the beginning. What was your first experience with technology? Did you always know you wanted to sort of work in technology? No, I didn't always uh, have plans to work in technology. I never really thought about it. But starting out, I was gifted a computer at around five. And things just... So what year was this? Just to... Oh, yeah. I mean, this was mid-90s, probably around... 96? 95, 96. Okay. I was gifted a machine by an uncle, had Windows 95 on it. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah. And I guess the first draw was probably the video games, maybe like Flight Simulator. And I remember having like Encarta, the encyclopedia on there and playing CDs and some of the games that were on Windows 95 and playing like with MS Paint. And then in school, uh, we had early Macintosh computers. I don't remember which model they were. Uh, and then I changed schools at one point, maybe around seven or so. And we had even older machines that I guess were gifted to the school years prior that were running Windows 3.1. So I had an opportunity to play with that too. From there, over the years, I slowly saved up money, built my own machines, upgraded my machines over the years. So that gave me experience working with hardware. And we used to torrent lots of software. Yeah. <laughs> so there was plenty of opportunity to play around with, you know, Photoshop and whatever was the big thing back then. But the cool thing too about the whole torrenting thing was that that sort of got me into, I think that might've been what sort of spearheaded my interest in privacy and computer security. Because around that time, there were concerns about the RIAA, you know, cracking down on people. And, and people got big fine. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like an Napster error. So there were concerns about that. And then there were, you know, software that we would use to sort of try to get around that with different types of block lists. And eventually that sort of led me down the road of pursuing more of the computer security side of things. And um, I've always wanted to be a generalist overall. So I think that was where my interest in being a systems administrator originally came from. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Okay, cool. So How'd you sort of learn the stuff? Where do you go? Right? Did you use books, videos? I remember when we were younger, they didn't really have these online courses as much, right? 
you kind of had to actually, forums were a big place that I learned a lot of stuff. So how did you sort of learn what you did? In the very beginning, I didn't even have internet access. So it was just a matter of, believe it or not, you know, just going through all of the menus and the software, just out of, I don't, you know, something about the computer just sort of drew me in and uh, going through every menu and all the software, I guess if something interested me, I just sort of fell into it. So I remember early on, like with Encarta, especially, you know, the encyclopedia, just reading about different topics and maybe just being in front of the screen, you know, whether I was reading about something in the encyclopedia or whatever I was doing, maybe that conditioned me very early on just to, you know, sort of have a focus for whatever was on the screen in front of me. And I've noticed throughout my career, actually, that a lot of people, they just don't read the screen. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I see it all the time. It's like, check the menus, yeah. right? A lot of times. And then if you don't understand something right now, there's so many resources that you could Google, you can go on YouTube to figure out what it does. And Yeah, I mean, we have that now. And I guess, especially early on, just going through all those different menus and all of the software sort of allow me to get familiar to the point where there was a sort of intuition aspect to that, yeah. where I had a feel for where something might be. Yeah. And that's also carried over into my professional career too. You know, when you build those very foundational building blocks early on, you just have an idea of how something should work or is supposed to work. And that's very beneficial later on. Yeah. Just like a car mechanic, even if he's never worked on a specific car, he'll have an idea of how it works, what he can find, what he should expect, what he shouldn't expect. So Absolutely. I think that's a, Great analogy. So what was your first job actually working in technology? The cool thing about working in tech was that, like I said earlier, I never really considered pursuing a career in tech because I was always sort of doing something anyway in tech, whether it was side work or I remember like in the seventh grade, I spoke with one of our assistant principals in my school and he asked me to join like our computer club Yeah, and we would help the teachers prepare the machines in the classrooms. I remember even earlier than that, I think, like in the fifth grade, helping my teachers with some stuff on the computers. So there was always some sort of work or opportunity to learn something. That was some of my first experience with networks because even at that time, I think by maybe the seventh grade or so, I had internet access, but I had no experience with networking. At home, I had a modem. So if I did go online, that was just dial-up. I had no local area network experience. and Working with the club in school gave me the opportunity to start networking computers and seeing how that stuff worked, learning about switches and hubs and that sort of thing. What were some memorable or what was a memorable side project you did when early on? Very early on. I mean, probably building my first computer, right? That was when I was around 12 or 13. That was my first time really having an opportunity to learn about the guts of a machine, right? I had taken a couple of computer courses at my local YMCA that my mom put me in years prior. Yeah, I remember the teacher's name was like Mr. Van, okay. cool guy. Sort of just learned basic things like, okay, the CPU is a central processing unit. It does this. It's the brains. The hard drive is this. But I never had a chance to actually open up a machine until I built my first machine. Probably just because I just never really thought about it before that. Yeah, just use it. Right? Yeah. And then Yeah, I just used it and I was just so interested with the software. So when I decided to build my first machine, that was a big project to undertake. I had to, you know, spec out the hardware, figure out what's compatible with what, yeah. budget, you know, figure out what I could afford, what I yeah. want, you know, should I save, should I, you know, buy now? And that was my first big project. And then over the years, I upgraded my machines and built machines for other people. So those were some of my first jobs early on, you know, yeah. building machines for other people. And you did that in middle school, high school? That was 
in middle school. Okay. Fixing people's laptops, yeah. replacing keyboards, yeah. you know, and those were all opportunities to learn about hardware and, you know, open up something. I was never concerned with breaking something. You know, it was always just a matter of being methodical, taking my time. And I loved it. What, what were some things you did in high school, just in middle school? What were some things you were doing, projects you were doing in high school? In high school, I remember taking a computer course. And I really took it because it was an excuse to get my mom to give me money to build a new computer again. Because <laughs> it was required for the course. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. Uh, it was cool because it was a chance for me to, there was a lot of things. It was interesting to get perspectives from other people. At that time, there was the whole, you know, Intel versus AMD war for processors. And we were always trying to, you know, we were big into gaming and we were trying to figure out if we wanted to go with Intel processors at more expense or go with AMD processors. And then there was the ATI NVIDIA video card battle. And it was fun because we were sort of competing in class and see who had the better hardware, whose PC was better. Who had the best the coolest case, yeah. you know, the best cooling setup, you know. Well, so who had the best PC, in your opinion, back then? Oh, in the end, I mean, I was probably like number one or number two. I mean, I, I don't remember now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it was all fun. Yeah, yeah. It was just all fun competition. You know, it was interesting because, you know, we all had different budgets and different needs, too. And that's an important thing, you know, needs. It was fun. And even outside of computers, I mean, in high school, I remember I was still... I remember Radio Shack was still around and I used to build like the little Radio Shack radio kits, like the AM radio kits and stuff like that. You know, so it, it was always just about tinkering and taking something apart and trying to figure out how to put it back together. You sold me a like CD. Did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was this album I could not find online and you got, I bought like three CDs off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my first jobs too. I remember in the uh, eighth grade getting in trouble for uh, selling bootleg CDs. What happened with that? And my homeroom teacher, uh, she made me uh, cease and desist because I was making like 40 bucks a day in the eighth oh, grade. Oh my gosh. Back then? <laughs> Every day selling bootleg albums and movies and stuff, you know, but that's what we were doing back then, you know, uh, that was in the era where, you know, broadband was just sort of coming up. AOL was losing its market share. No more AOL CDs. Yeah, you know, you know, we had, uh, what was it? I think Supernova, one of the first BitTorrent uh, trackers was still big at that time. The Pirate Bay was brand new. Yeah. I don't even remember hearing about the Pirate Bay now. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. But I mean, Supernova, I think, was the big one back then. Then there was Usenet and news groups, which have been around for decades. Yeah. But, you know, that was a thing I took advantage of, too, and learned a lot. At that point, you know, there were also resources now that I had access to, like yeah. Google, of course. Yeah. YouTube was starting maybe around 05, 06, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, there were plenty of resources now available to me. Even Tech TV, which still existed then. I think it became G4, but there were shows like the Screensavers and you know, yeah. stuff like that where they would talk about new tech. And I remember Dig was big. Yeah, Dig was very In the pre-Reddit era, I used to read Dig a lot. And yeah. There were resources there. You know, so there was plenty out there. So what was your first professional experience? You would say, so obviously you've had a lot of side projects, you know, you've learned on your own. So how'd you sort of leverage that into your first professional experience? Yeah. Uh, well, out of high school, I landed an internship at a hedge fund in New York City, and I didn't know what to expect <laughs> going into that. I'd never even really gone into the city that much before, having grown up in Queens. Um, so that was a new experience in many ways. It was a great experience. You know, I met one of my first mentors there, I would say, and learned a lot about enterprise equipment and larger networks and wireless networking and even things like, you know, the importance of documentation, which I, you know, because I, I never had to deal with any of that stuff before at home. Or in any line of work. Yeah. 
project planning, project management. This was all more or less just level one, you know, just building the basic skills. Yeah, yeah. More of what I was doing was probably relegated to just like, you know, break, fix, printer stuff and stuff like that. But I was able to at least see what needs to be done in a enterprise technology operation and how and how it's best done. How'd you, you applied online? How'd you get the jobs? Yeah, um, actually, I remember putting a few feelers out through my network and through a family friend, I got that job. And I mean, that's very important. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> you got know, it. The first one's the yeah, hardest of I mean, it, especially at like a hedge fund. That's, yeah, that's very important, especially if you have something that you're passionate about when you're young, you know, make sure that people around you know about it because they're always happy to advocate for you, especially yeah. when you're younger, always. A family friend got me into that gig. I was there for a summer. That was my first summer out of high school. Then I went to university that fall. I got another job at a local consulting business. Yeah. They serviced like local small medical practices, a couple of very small call centers, like accounting firms yeah, yeah. in the area. That was another job actually that I got through a family connection. Yeah. But that being said, the interview was very tough. I was asked some very good questions and the gentleman there that hired me, you know, he, I guess he felt that I answered the questions the right way and he took a chance on me and I learned a lot there too. Can you expand more on that job? Like, would you learn yeah. and how'd you leverage that to your next, you know? The yeah, I mean, on that job, out? that was my first time. So, whereas in my first internship, I was proverbial paper pushing, you know, like the very basic break fix stuff. That was my first time getting a chance to deal more with systems on the back end, right? So, you know, opening up servers, building servers, replacing hardware on a server. My first time working with phone systems, we had a f like a few call centers that we serviced and a lot of our clients, they had expensive phone systems that we were able to migrate them away from using open source software. So that was the first time also that that became a big thing too, you yeah. know, open source software as an alternative to some of the bigger players. Network build outs, that was my first time working with that. Upgrades on hardware and on networks. In a sense, it was also interesting in that at that time, I started to see that people that were already there before me were becoming a little stale. Yeah. And what they knew just because we were limited in the scope of the work that we were doing because yeah. of our client base, because we were a very yeah, small, small company. Okay. I was still in school at the time, but that gave me the idea that maybe I should start looking for something else. Yeah. I was there for a couple of years and I decided, okay, I've learned some good stuff here, but let me see if I could find something else and learn more. You decided things were getting stale and you wanted Right, you had to sort of go somewhere else for the next move. What were you looking for? What was the next move? After yeah, that? well, I was still learning things and finding ways to challenge myself or ways to improve the processes that we were doing. But I saw that some of my colleagues were stagnating and I wanted to get ahead of that and avoid it. So I decided to look for something else. I was still taking classes at the same time, yeah. but I wasn't learning anything of substance. Well, I mean, to be fair, I didn't have much interest in yeah. just being in the classroom environment and I wasn't taking a full load of technology courses either. So since it was sort of, you know, like a mixed bag of different courses, the work is really just what kept me passionate about, you know, technology. Yeah. So I decided to look for a new role. I was still working at the old place, so I didn't leave and then look. I yeah. decided to look while still there. And I just wanted to find something different, anything different. I didn't really have a clear plan on what exactly that meant or what it would entail. 
but I put out a ton of applications. That was really probably my first time really having to sit down and think about my accomplishments up to that point. Yeah. And now I had to sort of put pen to paper and figure out how to convince people to hire me for the first time, not going through a contact that I already had. So I worked on my resume, interviewed quite a bit. I remember some didn't go so well, but you know, those were, those were, I saw those as preparation for the ones that did matter. You know, those prepared me. They made me more comfortable answering questions a certain type of way. They taught me, I think the importance of turning an interview into a conversation Okay, and making sure that, you know, everything's a mutual fit. So, so the ones that didn't go well, do you mind sharing like why did it, they didn't go well and what'd you learn from them? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was also that I just didn't know what the process was supposed to be like. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. My resume, that was my first time really formalizing a resume. Maybe most people aren't guilty of this, probably the opposite, but I think I made the mistake of taking every technology that I'd ever even heard of and putting it onto my resume. I, I see that <laughs> happen a lot with tech people. Yeah. And later in my career, I actually found that people tend to underestimate their skills and abilities, yeah. but I think I probably overestimated them. Yeah. So I had a couple of interviews where, you know, I would, I guess because my resume was so impressive and they yeah. didn't understand, you know, who this kid was coming in, you know, I got, I remember when I went into a room and, you know, there's a guy in front of me and then he dials into like a conference with a whole bunch of guys in London. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they asked me questions and they picked apart my resume and that just, they just destroyed me, you know, but it was good, but it made me pretty nervous for a while. And I remember even interviews after that, I just like, you know, some of them I just ended up canceling because I just had sort of like, yeah. I just had like anxiety around it. Anyway, there were plenty of opportunities after that to, I was introspective enough to realize that maybe I should go back, tweak my resume, maybe abridge it a bit, but develop or take that as an opportunity to, you know, speak more on the bullet points that I was able to, you know, really put down, you know, and speak on those items in more solid, concrete terms. So what was the next step? So now you understood, you messed up interviews, you learned from it. That's yeah, the most yeah. important thing, you know, like, look, it's okay to mess up an interview. Just use it as a learning experience and then go forward to the audience. Now, so what'd you end up getting? Uh, my next role was a, it's probably more of a lateral move, I would say, because it took me away from the, back-end systems work that I was doing with servers and systems and phone systems and that sort of thing. And it was a help desk technician role, but it was in a much larger environment and I was no longer a consultant. I was now in-house. It was at a college. Okay. And it was a... And you stopped going to school at this point? At that point, I was... Let me think about that. Well, actually, okay. So when I was in school, I actually forgot about... Uh, before I took the role that I... Just spoke about the role I just spoke about yeah. before that. I actually also was a student worker, yeah, in the laptop repair shop. So that was also a pretty cool gig too, because I never got that much into hardware. I mean, with laptops, we had ThinkPads, and ThinkPads have these FRUs, like these replaceable units. Basically, every part you can yeah swap out. Place. That's why they're so and, good for business. Yeah, you know, and we would recycle the machines and recycle parts to save money. And I mean, I learned how to take apart those old ThinkPads. Like, it, you know, I mean, I knew like the T60s, T61s, X200s. I knew all those machines like the back of my hand. Yeah. I can take the whole thing apart in like, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I had the opportunity to, that was also my first time working with imaging and deploying like a sort of, you know, templatized version of operating system or settings to a bunch of machines at one time. So that was pretty cool. 
but yeah, so then shortly after that, they cut my hours because they didn't like that I was asking so many questions and trying to improve processes, actually. Yeah, some some places just like <laughs> yeah. like it how it is. Yeah, they just wanted you know everything to be a certain way, and I was always tinkering and, I guess, asking too many questions. So that's when I moved on to the role that I was at for two years, that okay. consulting role that I ended up leaving. Yeah. And then I went to a college. It was pretty cool because it was actually a for-profit institution, and they had a ton of campuses. So every yeah. campus was a, was a little bit different. Yeah. And it was also cool because they hired me as the single technology point of contact for one campus. Mm. So that was really cool because I was sort of just, you know, put there and I had to figure things out. And that was my first time dealing with like, you know, maybe 20 or 25 different issues in one day, you know, and I had to, you know, juggle appointments. And then they also wanted me to sit in meetings at that campus since I was the only tech person there. So that was pretty cool too. We would conference with other campuses. So it, it was, you know, I took it as an opportunity to make it more than just a help desk technician role and to, you know, meet with the decision makers on campus to try to improve processes and then also communicate the feedback I was getting from my colleagues at my campus with the colleagues in my department back at the main campus. So that was pretty cool. That was also my first time working with certain types of technology that I hadn't worked with before and, you know, having these big calls and working on projects and system upgrades because we had to upgrade the software and the machines every quarter yeah, and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. And I was there for a little over a year and a half. Okay. And, you know, it just turned out that at that point, I did want something a little bit more than just a help desk job since that was more... that was more of a lateral move for me. So I decided to look again. And this time I knew that I wanted something different and yeah. something, and I knew that I wanted something with more responsibility, yeah, more autonomy, more decision-making. So my goal was to, you know, become a systems administrator or maybe more of a systems engineering type. Yeah. So I started looking for work in the MSP space. MSP means? MSP is a managed service provider. Provider. So basically, if you have a company or you know a business, uh, you might hire a firm to come in and help you make technology-based decisions. Uh, the company that I ended up signing on with, uh, they worked mostly with charter schools in New York yeah. City. Okay. And that was pretty cool because I had the opportunity to work on build-outs, like if a new, like if an entirely new building was being built out, you know, yeah. running the cabling, setting up their network from scratch, their phone systems from scratch, everything from the smart boards in the classrooms, the projectors, specking out laptops and Chromebooks for the kids. So it was a ton of new and exciting stuff. And in that role, I was also able to return to the back end mm. as well and learn a lot that way too. Great team I worked with. And while I was with the company, we grew from something like three or four people when I first came on to like 25 or 30 people. Yeah, yeah. When I left, I was there for about three years. And the team was very tight and we, we worked on a lot of cool projects. You know, three years in, I decided that the company had grown, but yeah. that again, being in the education space, my opportunities were just limited with the types yeah. of projects that I would work on. I decided to look again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, you know, it, it seems like each time I look or have looked, I've become more and more patient yeah. with the search because I was always gainfully employed anyway. Yeah. So I was able to, you know, sort of be picky and, Turned down job offers along the way, which I have done. Yeah. And, you know, just use each interview as an opportunity to learn more about myself 
and my strengths and weaknesses too, you know, to help me, you know, sort of parlay that into the next interview experience. I left that role after three years and I came into the role that I'm in now, which is really just like a strictly projects role. You know, there's very little interaction with the folks in the front end with day-to-day issues. That stuff does get escalated to me, but now I oversee the folks that I used to, you know, work on as a team. So now I oversee a team that does that. And I also work with some engineers as well. And I actually oversee a couple of engineers too. And I report directly to the director of technology and to the CTO. I also lead meetings now for the first time. So we have our bi-weekly security meetings. We meet with other departments. We meet with our legal department. Uh, For the first time, I've had to develop policy that affects the entire organization, affects our cybersecurity stance. You know, meet like with our cyber insurance yeah. brokers on the outside, deal with PCI compliance stuff for credit card, yeah, information safety, all sorts of stuff on the compliance side now. And I've had a chance now to lead projects, compare different types of solutions that best meet our needs, to trial them, you know, to sample them. And it's been great. I've had the chance now to hire people too. Okay. And to be on that side of the table. So that's been interesting. And now I'm happy where I am. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be some point where I'll look for something again. But I think the important thing for me has just always been knowing myself, my desires, and getting ahead of any potential burnout that might come my way. And I think that, you know, technology in general, if you put yourself in the position to touch different things, it's maybe easier than many other fields to avoid burnout anyway. Yeah. But especially if you do know yourself and you have the, I guess, the insight to say, okay, you know, let me start looking for something else. That's also, you know, something that will not only help you avoid burnout, but also, you know, keep you fresh in your skill set and allow you to build on your skill set. Okay. So you mentioned that you went to university. Can you talk more about that? I did go. I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Uh, the, envi- the academic environment that I was in, the circle that I was in, just the social circle or circles that I traveled in sort of imparted on me that that was the that that was a necessity for any sort of success in life in my career whether I already knew what I was doing or not I went to university without any real mission <laughs> I took some of my core classes I was bored to death I was working at the same time because I wanted to work yeah uh, I wanted to you know keep my skills fresh I wanted to you know touch new technologies I wanted to touch things that I couldn't afford it you know, touch at home. Yeah. So. And you needed to make money, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as I mean, simple as yeah. that. I needed to make money. I wanted to make money, but, you know, I mean, I was happy just, you know, working for anything at that point. I just wanted to, you know, learn skills and, you know, meet like-minded people. And I, you know, was fortunate enough to have met some cool people over the years, but I took classes for a couple of years. My academics just suffered because I just wasn't interested. Yeah. It is tough while you're going yeah. to school, while you're working, schedule, balancing all these things. Yeah. It really comes down to interest. You know, I mean, there are some people that can just, you know, do the school thing full time. And maybe if I'd gone to school full time, things might have been different. Yeah, who knows? I never had the interest, quite frankly. Yeah. I don't think it's hurt my career prospects at all. I mean, I got a really early start. I'm much farther ahead in my career now than I ever thought I would have been by this point. Yeah. Because if you went to school, because right now you have like, what, 10 years experience. Yeah. Had you gone to school... You would have, and 10 years, like, full-time experience. Yeah. Had you gone to state in school, you yeah, would have probably had, like, probably, like, six years, six. five and a half years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and then, because so. now you're managing, especially in the last few years, you're managing a team. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, and I've had great opportunities. I mean, I've gotten, I've been able to travel for work to go to, you know, trade shows and conventions. And my company has been, you know, great with paying for training. You know, I've even been able to attend like training, like for managerial stuff. I've learned about how to be a more versatile manager. I think that it's also helped me, you know, develop as a person, both in my personal relationships and in my professional relationships. And those are all things I might not have yeah. had such an early start on if I were not a manager as early as I was. Yeah. Now, one thing is, so you don't have to degree, and I think technology is more forgiving than other industries, but even then it does sometimes hurt you. What skills do you think sort of helped you progress outside of your core technical skills? What are some of the soft skills that really helped you set yourself apart? Curiosity, being honest with myself about what I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> being honest with others about what I don't know. After that first interview experience I told you about, <laughs> I learned uh, pretty early on that if you don't know something, just, I don't know, but I'll find out. Because in, in tech, more than other, in some other industries, you can say, yeah, I know this. Yeah. In tech, they're like, oh, you know this? Can you tell me the, the software you use? Can you tell me this? And they'll get you right away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, in my experience, a lot of people, especially in the technology field, tend to do that, but for better or for worse. But I've learned, I think I was fortunate that I've learned so early on in my experience that you have to be honest with yourself about what you don't know, and you have to have a you know genuine interest in whatever you do, it, but especially in a field like technology, because it's always changing, and there's so many different paths that you know, one can take, Yeah. whether they go into the system side of things, or the infrastructure side of things, or even the development or computer science and coding side of things. You, know, you have to stay on top of things and have some sort of basic curiosity for you know what's new and how things can be improved and made more efficient and you know i think that just my natural curiosity and being able to admit when i don't know something and google things that i don't know and you know being able to pick up the phone and call support when i don't know something you know because those experiences over time you know they culminate into a more experienced and knowledgeable professional right you don't have to reinvent the wheel and learn everything from scratch, right? You know, there are plenty of resources that are available to you. Mention how you've seen in the past, you knew when things were stagnating and it was time for another move. Some people who sort of stay in the same role, what would you say separates the people who stay in a role and sort of who are okay with the stagnation versus someone like you who kind of is like, no, I don't want that. I want to be, I want to move up. I want to move forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess at a base level, it just comes down to what, a person's temperament is like, you know, I mean, I've worked with some people who are very, you know, competent people, maybe just doing engineering stuff, just scratches their itch for a decade plus or two decades plus, you know, and maybe that's also just a function of age. You know, maybe many of those people that I have met that are like that, they tend to be a bit more experienced. Yeah. I'll say, you know, they tend to be a little more older, you know, so they've been in a particular, you know, so they've been in the field for a while. Yeah. So that's not to say that maybe when they were younger, they weren't more or less complacent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it also comes down to my temperament. You know, I've just always been, I've never been one to just sit down and just, just watch sit the down world and pass you just, by. Yeah. That's always sort of motivated me. And, you know, I mean, you know, there are times when you do get comfortable, you have a good team, you're working on some good projects, you know, but even when you are comfortable in a place, it's still good to just keep yourself fresh whether it's taking a class just for personal enrichment, taking a certificate course or an online course, 
or even, you know, just self-teaching, playing around with some open source projects, or even just wanting the job interviews, whether you want the job or not, you know, just to keep yourself fresh. Cause that's something that you do every, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, and then you don't do it again for, yeah. I think it just comes down to what a person's desires are. If it were up to me, you know, I would tell people, especially today, young people, you know, you've got to, you've got to move around. Yeah. Cause that's just, yeah, especially technology. That's just how it is these days. You know, it's just so much opportunity and experience to be acquired. So it just doesn't make sense yeah. anymore to just stay in one place. What were some of the mistakes you've sort of made or what were some things you would do differently if you were to sort of look back on your career? Like, hey, you know what? If I had done this or if I had done this earlier, I think I would have been in a better position. Mm -hmm. That's a good question and a tough one. Okay. Yeah. I would have made a more active effort to get myself into a role of increased responsibility even earlier. Okay. And by that, I mean a role in which I had to deal with enterprise uh, technology and software earlier on because that was something that I found that I was lacking. Yeah. And it was something that I did bring up very candidly in my interviews that I wanted to build on. But that's something that I felt that, you know, having worked with, you know, charter schools and at a college and at my college prior to that. And with, you know, these small medical practices before that, you know, I didn't have the opportunity for many years to work with the size environments that I wanted to, or that I probably should have, yeah. or that I would have liked to have done. Uh, so I wouldn't say that that was a mistake, but looking back, you wish you did it earlier. There are some gaps in my knowledge that, you know, to this day I am aware of and working to fill because there's just some types of experience that I just didn't have in the enterprise space. The enterprise space. But that being said, it's now more easy. It's now easier than ever to fill those gaps at home because now you have, you know, VMware virtualization and you can all do, these SaaS products. Right. I think, especially in the last five years, I think when we were younger, like SaaS monthly thing, everything yeah. was one-time fees. Now it's like, it's virtually hard to find anything with the license. Everything is like monthly. Right. Yeah. Monthly. I mean, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I was doing this stuff at home, you know, you know, hardware was still very expensive as far as hardware that you could actually, you know, run, yeah. you know, multiple virtual machines on and that sort of thing. Um, I don't remember there being the idea of like, you know, like a VPS where you could just spin up like a instance of a server on the fly. Like how you it's can so now. much cheaper now. Yeah. I mean, it's just become so much cheaper and there's so much that you can do now. And I mean, YouTube is blown up. Yeah, you can find. Of, I'm pretty sure you used it at work. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, you know. So it's. I mean, there's just so much information out there now, and everything has become so much more accessible. Reddit has a great community called Home Lab, where you know people you know discuss different ideas for home projects to you know sort of you know supplement maybe what they're doing at work or to build their skills at home in order to maybe make a move into a technology career. So you know there are great resources now for that. You know, I think they even have like their own Discord channel. Okay. Yeah, you know, people post photos of the latest projects and, you know, their equipment at home. You know, so it's fun. It's fun. Basically gotten is that the thing with technology is you can always start in some capacity, right? You don't have to have an official role in technology because you're started all the way in elementary school. And especially now it's, there are so many things you could just do straight out of your home, so much resource. What would you, what advice would you have for someone who's starting out with that? Because it can get overwhelming yeah, to I mean, start. It depends on the path that one wants to take, right? So if one wants to, you know, maybe work 
more systems and maybe with backend infrastructure, they might find that they're best suited taking on a sort of low level help desk role first, you know, getting their feet wet that way. Okay. And then working their way up. You know, you you'll typically find that you're in that first role for, you know, maybe two years, three yeah. years, something like that. And then people tend to move on from there, maybe to what's called like a systems analyst role, yeah. systems engineer role, where now they're working more hands-on with equipment and projects. But there might be a lot of folks, especially today, I find, who maybe didn't grow up heavy into technology that might want to pursue a computer science career where they're, you know, coding. Yeah. In my experience, the people when I was coming up that were into computers at home and, you know, that were always passionate about technology from a very young age, a lot of them went into systems and backend infrastructure. But it seems like today, for whatever reason, there are more people from other walks of life now coming into technology, whether it's into, you know, DevOps or, you know, data, yeah, data analytics and, you know, visualization data and, you know, because now there's also a crossover like into marketing and, you know, so many other fields. So a lot more people I see now are coming into technology without maybe a heavy technical background from a young age. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, the beauty of technology is, look, as long as long as you can show what you can do and there are ways that you can present them, a lot of people are willing to give you a shot. Absolutely. And my advice to young people is whatever you find that catches your eye, just set up something at home and start playing around with it. Check YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is so <laughs> good. I mean, everything is there now. So, you know, just... Whatever you find that might interest you that might be somewhat technology related, you know, I mean, there's some really cool projects like the Raspberry Pi yeah. you can play around with. So if you're somebody who's maybe into gaming or home theater stuff, that could be a cool way for you to bridge into computers because the Raspberry Pi lets you do stuff with home automation. And there's all sorts of stuff that you can do with that. If you're into the smart home thing, a lot of folks are big on that now. You can, you know, play around with the Raspberry Pi or... If this, then that for home yeah. automation. Uh, Dice.com, which yeah. is a uh, IT job board, basically. Yeah. Uh, they put out a annual guide that sort of like sums up what's happening in the industry from a jobs perspective. So it shows you like the most in-demand skills that year. And if you want to have an idea of, you know, maybe what the most in-demand skills are for businesses in different cities, they'll tell you what the top 25 or top 50 are. And maybe that's, you know, that's a good way to sort of get an idea of things to maybe look into. Ultimately, you should pursue your own interests and your own passions. And I think that's the way to really organically. Yeah. Just like start with a home project or something you're interested in. And it just, you just grow from there. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, thank you so much for your time. So how would sort of people reach out to you? What's the best way? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Kenneth Atkins. Or you can shoot me an email. Yeah. So what's your email? Yeah. My email address is kakins. Yeah. K. A-T-K-I-N-S at snikta.org. That's S-N-I-K-T-A dot O-R-G. That's his last name backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just my last name backwards. So hard to get. (laughs) Org.com is probably taken. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Always good. So he had a very great story. So hope you guys got a lot of value out of it. And we'll have him back, actually, for some more things in the future. Uh, I think you'll enjoy those episodes so thank you guys have a good one another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information is valuable and you learned a lot stay tuned for the next episode this show is sponsored by 
you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics about bias. If you think this show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect, or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D. Last name, I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. No degree.com. Yeah. Talk so, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve we them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. Growing in the knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Going, yeah.